0: I got him for Laura I just had dinner with the obama what did you do? Hop up on Twitter talking about the stuff you don't do. Rock off for Lauren, shorty, cause that is what you gonna do. Saviato, New Balance, of style. Third down and six, right up the gut. That is Gibson, and he is gone. Third of the ball game for the rookie, Antonio Gibson. Farms, at the Farms, all you hear is oi. One time for BDR, we just try to see you out. I used to be now beating nurse city up why should you talk to one respect about picked up and mullins fumbles the football washington has it back chase young they're chasing him down the sideline and chase young has a washington touchdown i've been ungrateful but thankful i've been ungrateful but thankful maybe i got it all too fast too soon to living life no feelings. Me, I been I been a break
1: break. I'm what is up guys welcome to the Birdie network podcast i'm your host josh taylor usually joining me is brian murphy who has sick baby duty this afternoon so <laughs> prayers out to my guy brian got his hands full this afternoon but joining me is nate coleman and george carmy from fpc washington full press coverage how y'all gentlemen doing
0: Doing good, man. Thank you for having us here. What's going
1: Absolutely. on? I know Nate and George said they were grabbing some beers. They're like, dang, I ain't got no beers in the house. All I got a couple <laughs> cigars and energy drinks. So <laughs> we're going to live it up this afternoon. It's fun. They have a good
0: time. What can go wrong?
1: <laughs> I know. And best part mm-hmm. of all of it, we're talking about Nate's favorite thing this afternoon, and that is wide receivers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get better than that. That's that's Nate's love language in the football realm. This episode is a called smile
2: on my face.
1: If you're watching on YouTube, you see it. If you're listening, it's there. It's full. This episode is going to be called Reading the Wide Receiver Room and is brought to you by 500 Level, who specializes in officially licensed t-shirts like this Terry McCorn shirt, who I had to rep for the wide receiver episode. But you can get your favorite MLB, NBA, NHL, teams, players, even wrestlers, which I thought was pretty sick. Uh, but check 500level.com. Use our code BNP20 to get twenty percent off your shirts. This is a little bit. I'm so picky about my shirts. Like I wear like the same ten shirts. This is one of them. And I have a Chase Young one and a John Morant shirt. So most comfortable shirt I own, and it looks good. So that helps. But gentlemen, this afternoon, like I said, we will going to be talking about the wide receiver room and what it could possibly look like. Some guys in the draft. We'll dig too deep into it, but I just want to get an overall read of what the room currently looks like. And, you know, talk about how great Dontrell Inman was last year, um, <laughs> which I knew Nate is just dying. They're not starved. Star. Yeah. And then how Alabama has the top two wide receivers in the draft. Mm. We'll definitely go over that also. But taking a look at our situation last year with our mediocre quarterback play, how many quarterbacks have we had last season? Like three, four, four. Seems like it was four. Exactly. And Terry McLaurin still shines like the superstar he is. 87 catches, 1,187 yards, four touchdowns, and a couple lingering injuries throughout the season and just pushed through. Nate, how impressive is it for, you know, we talk about draft guys and Terry being a third-round gym for us. How impressive is it that no matter who is on the field throwing the ball, Terry still gets that production?
2: Yeah, I tell you, like Terry is the rare outlier who just exceeds every expectation you could possibly have. He's the only receiver I know of in the history of the NFL to finish in the top twenty-four and not have a breakout age. I mean, he just—it just shows you, like may, m- maybe Dwayne Haskins could have done a lot more with him. Like, imagine if Justin Fields was there when Terry McMoran was there. We'd be talking about him like we talk about Devonte Smith because he's really old and he played way too long in college. Um, But yeah, Terry, Terry McLaurin is uh, fantastic. I mean, I'm excited for him. Uh, Another thing that really stuck with me that I I tweeted this out today is uh, people talk about, about uh, Curtis Samuel and they're worried about like, can he play on the outside? Can he not play on the outside? And in 2019, when Scott Turner was offensive coordinator for the Panthers, uh, Samuel played a lot more on the outside and he actually led the NFL in difference between air yards and receiving yards. Meaning like there was a huge discrepancy because Guess what? All the deep balls were not complete. And the guy throwing him the ball was Kyle Allen. Now, like fast forward this year, uh, Curtis Samuel was the most efficient receiver on deep yardage uh, receptions. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was second in the NFL in deep ball completion percentage. So that's something that just popped out at me. I mean, that's a nice little uh, nice little bonus there.
1: So that, that's, that's a love poem straight to Nate. <laughs> Those yeah, that's two that's put together. together. That's, that's perfect. the perfect combo. That's, that's a steak and baked potato mm-hmm. combo. So this is where it gets interesting because after Terry, we've always just had like this drop off of "Eh, this guy that's, you know, undrafted, this guy who drafted in the third, fourth, fifth, wherever. And last season ended up being Cam Sims, who finally, after how many years of, you know, being the preseason training camp hero for so many years, finally (laughs) shows up in the regular season. George, what do you think? contributed to that do you think it was you know alex smith you know stepping in and being his quarterback or do you think he just finally took advantage of all these guys going down and actually getting playing time
0: i think it's natural development right what is his third year in the league or something like that um he was plagued with injuries um, he just had a tough time kind of developing and you know transitioning to the league um i did like cam sims i was actually one of his hardest critics and hardest detractors for years and um you know, everyone kind of argued and kind of looked at his upside, and his physical traits, which are there. He's a big wide receiver. He can catch at the high point. Um, he has a lot of good qualities that are there. And it was kind of nice, you know, for a wide receiver four, he definitely rose to the occasion. He had a couple of large games where he had about, like you know, tickled about 100 yards and 90 yards receiving there. You <laughs> like that, and That's uh, you know, take a well, yards, and uh, you know, it's like, um, I just think the biggest flaw with Washington last year is everybody played up a level, like you know, like our wide receiver three was playing wide receiver two, our wide receiver four is playing three, and it's like if everyone's kind of took a step back with the influx of Samuel, which they will, I think it was you know, provide some depth for us. I think we'll have a well rounded core now. I think Cam Sims being a wide receiver four will provide that opportunity. and, I'm excited. I'm not saying he's going to blow up. But I think he will be that big body in the in the red zone if we need him. Yeah, I said this on our show. I think them
1: actually bringing back Cam Sims like was on their list of things to do in this offseason because we've seen how fast our wide receivers went down last year. I mean, we bring in Jeff Badett, Tony Brown, Emmanuel Hall, Robert Foster at the end of the season. It's just like we're citing guys off the street because everyone was going down um and cam sims is a guy who even since back in high school i remember the mm-hmm. at the underarm game like he just battled injuries throughout mm-hmm. his whole career seemed like high school college and then some in the nfl also um but after that kelvin harman who we had high hopes for going into the season because he showed some flashes with haskins looked really good um and then tears his acl back in july it was kind of weird because like it went unheard of and then he's like hey guys i had surgery today and we're like <laughs> what, what kind of surgery ah, i just tore my acl no big deal. Like I'm out for the season. We're just like, Oh, like that was kind of surprising. Now, Nate, how much do you really expect out of Harmon based off of what you saw the year before? And how hard is it for a physical bigger guy like him to come back from ACL tear?
2: Yeah. So Harmon wasn't a very good prospect and that that was kind of shown (laughs) out when he got drafted in round six, instead of, you know, like a lot of people were projecting him to go in round two, which is, which is interesting. Ooh, I just saw the comment that said we should go yeah. for after Nico Collins. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: I yeah. Agree. He had a great hey. pro day, even though know, those <laughs> we'll, numbers don't matter, that's what her.
2: We'll get to that. Uh, so so Harmon, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's like your possession receiver. The problem with him is like he's a possession receiver who doesn't run good routes. So if you're a possession receiver and you don't run good routes and you're not explosive before the catch or after the catch, that's kind of an issue. But what I would say is, con- uh, you know, uh, encouraging for him is he did produce as a rookie a little bit. and And that's more predictive than anything else in the NFL. If you produce as a rookie, you're supposed to like carry on the next year and the year after that year two and year three are always the biggest breakout for receivers when it comes to that. So I think he's a solid like wide receiver four. and it's funny though, because like I say the same thing about cam Sims and probably the, maybe the same thing for AGG. They kind of, in some ways, they have redundant skill sets, uh, maybe by their body size and kind of yep. what they do. But I'm not really interested in any of those three guys. And the big thing about AGG, the biggest indictment on him is you're talking about all the receivers we had to bring in at the end of the year. Well, he was healthy at the end of the year, and they still chose to inactivate him. So that tells you a lot about what they think about him, you know, yeah. at least me personally. So who knows if he'll take a step? I mean, level of competition was big for him. So maybe it'll take him an extra year to adjust. But I mean, we still need a boundary receiver. And I don't know if we'll address it in the draft, but I mean, hey, a guy like Nico Collins, like in round three, that that sounds great Stud. to me. I mean, didn't he run? Yeah. Did he run a four, four or was it a four, three?
1: I want to it was say a, low 4-4. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I love Nico Collins. Um I well, was surprised. Michigan, Michigan's mm-hmm. offense is yeah. so bad. I like Donovan People mm-hmm. Jones last year. Mm-hmm. He showed yeah. some flashes with the Browns. Obviously, they have a stacked wide receiver room, but their offense is like bottom three in the nation, like every single year. Like it's so bad. That's why they can't win games. Um, so you mentioned AGG, and as y'all remember, this was my guy last time because we were More live particular. on the draft. <laughs> Yeah, we, we were rocking with second. him. I was so hyped when we got him. And I'm still I'm still rocking with him. He's still my guy. I still have his shirt that I got made literally the day after we drafted him. Um, but to me, like, and I've been saying this to y'all too, as a rookie, and especially and you bring up a good point, like the elevation and the competition he's having to face now. He had COVID at liberty, they stayed in school longer than they were supposed to. They were the last college literally to close because of COVID. That's mm-hmm. so Jerry surprising. Falwell Jr. was just like, nah, stay open. COVID doesn't exist. <laughs> just, just yeah, I met lies. Jerry
2: Falwell Jr. I shook his hand one time. He seemed kind of skeezy. Does he?
1: That's
0: I'm funny. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, he's a character. But he stays in school, has COVID, doesn't get really much of a preseason to learn any of the offense. Then he has a hamstring injury throughout the whole season. And we've seen him come on the field sometimes. We're just like, oh, like – Here he is, but we didn't really see too much production out of him. Going into this season, and we kind of talk about how similar he is with Cam Sims and Kelvin Harmon, are you, like, saying, like, hey, this is his last straw before maybe Ron and Scott Turner kind of cuts his leash? George, are you saying that they're going to give him time? Because this is the guy that they drafted.
0: It's going to be interesting. I think Nate hit the nail on the head. I think um, between Cam Sims and Kelvin Harmon, they all have redundant qualities. But the other two have kind of showed something, right? Like, Kelvin Harmon has popped his rookie year, although that and was great with, hands, great hands. Although that was with Haskins, so maybe, you know, a different quarterback, be something different there. Um, and Harmon's a, a very stout and astute blocker. He loves to block, he's kind of aggressive. And I think, um, you know, Ron Rivera appreciates that. Um, Cam Sims has those physical traits. He's had some, you know, run after catch capabilities that we've seen and displayed there, you know, 50 yard gains and big plays. I think they will give AGG an honest, earnest attempt, but at the same time, I think they're going to let the board talk to them, right? If a good wide receiver falls to them in the, um, you know, second, third, fourth round, and they take them, is outperforming yeah. them. It's a production business, right? You know, fourth round pick isn't a heavy investment. I mean, it is a investment. So, you know, you definitely want them to hit and succeed but at the same time, you know, maybe you can stash them, maybe you can let them go, but I just don't think, you know, they're going to give him his best attempt, but they're going to look other places as well. And, um, I think Nate, Nate also brought up a good point, right? Going into the playoffs, end of the season, they didn't activate him, right? All preseason, all offseason, we heard how stiff he was and how he wasn't acclimating to the NFL professional game. Um, and now we're seeing that they're, you know, possibly looking at Nikhil Harris in a trade, sorry, Nikhil Harry in a trade in the fourth round. There's a lot of smoke to the, there's there's not really a love of fest, sorry, love fest for, um, for, for AGG. So, you know, I think the attachment is somewhat there, but at the same time, they could always look to improve.
1: Yeah, it's just nothing to really get too excited over yet. Like you said, Cam Sims had a couple big plays last season. It seemed like his route running got a lot better, Like especially like you said, after the catch, he made some bursts. I mean, compared to what he, we were seeing at Alabama, his route tree was like either go deep or you kind of cut across the middle. It wasn't really much to him, hence why he didn't really get used too much at Alabama. Um, but I feel like out of all the three, I honestly think AGG has the best skill set with both getting separation You know, not relying too much on his size or just being big Um, route running and then just his burst and acceleration. I think out of the three guys, honestly, I think he's the best, which sucks that he's the one that we're kind of like, hey, we haven't seen anything out of it. Um, So those are our outside guys. Now, there's such an interesting topic that's come up that I've been on fire about and I've definitely (laughs) let my voice be heard on this. And that is moving big guys to tight end. Mm, When the hell did this become a trend? And why is Niles Paul the one guy that keeps getting brought up to me? And it's like, is that our bookmark of moving big guys to tight end?
2: It's just a thing people say. I mean, it's not really, I wouldn't pay any attention to it. I mean, it's, if you're talking about receivers and you want to talk about moving them to tight end, that usually means they're bad receivers. Um, Case case in point, Hakeem Butler. I mean, I remember we all loved Hakeem Butler. He was a highly ranked receiver and now he can't find a job and, some the Eagles wanted mm. to play him at tight end and he got replaced by Richard Rogers. <laughs> so, oh. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't pay attention to that stuff. I mean, if the first thing you say about a receiver is he's an awesome blocker that tells me he sucks. I mean, that that's just a telltale sign that like, sure. he's, he's nice. not a good receiver. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Like I'm, I know that'll bother some of the football guys, but <laughs> your job isn't to go out there and block. Like, yeah, you can block your job is to go out there, win routes catch the ball and then create after the catch so yeah i don't i i don't know why you would move any of those guys they need to invest in the tight end position they need to invest in my receiver position Thank you. and so that that's what needs to happen i don't i don't understand that argument at all like and, and like i know agg and cam sims and Harmon are all good blockers like that's true all three of them are pretty good but like i think that says more about them as receivers and than, than anything else
1: <laughs> being big is not a reason to move someone to tight end um And like to me, it's always been like, if if you're going to just move a guy, and and everyone that I've talked to says, "Hey, my reason for it is because he's on the team already. Why draft another guy? How much capital do we have in Cam Sims who was undrafted?" And like you said, you know, drafting Aj in the fourth round is that really a big loss? I mean, we just lost Haskins. I hate to say his name so late, but we just lost a 15th round like overall pick. Like, I don't care about a fourth round like draft pick on a wide receiver. If you're telling me that a guy like Cam Sims or Kelvin Harmon is going to take the spot of possibly a Hunter Long or like uh, Gregory just mentioned, Trimble out of Notre Dame or like an actual tight end, like why would you do that? Why is that? Like I just want to know like what started this trend of just, oh, we have the guy on the team, just move him. See see if he pans out well. See if he can go from blocking 195-pound corner to like a blitzing linebacker, you know, from time to time, stuff like this, and they're not always going to be just an inline blocker as a tight end. Not saying that, but there's going to be times where you have to. Like, if not, they're just like, oh, well, he's lined up as a tight end. He's obviously it's a pass play. Like, he's not blocking anybody. Cam Sims is a tall self, like no, no center he's gravity. He's not going to block like an outside linebacker. So, I just thought that was interesting. I don't know where that came from. I think Kim or JP or someone yeah. brought it up. I think Dang. John
0: Kine filled it, Josh. Is what happened. He dropped it on yeah. his pod. He mentioned Kevin Harmon, <laughs> and he started all this. And I, I agree with Nate. I think, um, like, I think being a tight end, it's a mindset, it's a mentality. You basically have to be 250 pounds, 260 pounds, you have to lay the wood, you have to block. And I don't, don't see Kevin Harmon and Cam Sims transitioning very well. Um, I think they are like 215, 220 now. We already kind of have a smaller, you know, move tight end, like you know, flex tight end with Logan Thomas. We need, you know, we need someone more well rounded. if we want a stout blocker, you know, Thad Moss, you guys all hate him. He is on the roster. We have him there. We could use him as a blocker per se. Wasted space. I mean, I agree with you there. I'm just saying, but like, I just don't see the need or the benefit i think you should always aim to put your best 53 players on the field you're always aiming for high upside high ceiling as opposed to like you know medium floor you're always trying to go for it why transition kevin harman he's not going to break it open for anybody so yeah so then what do you think is going to turn yeah. to
1: travis kelsey like, no not at, <laughs> what, not at all what are you looking for and then my favorite is people like well we have a quarterback you know that turned into a tight end like but logan thomas is also a six seven like to what, 45 and knew coming out of the draft, he was not going to be a quarterback. And he's still like, learning
2: how to play tight end, by the yeah. way. Like yeah. he's still learning how great. to block. He's awesome. still
1: learning how to run route. I mean, he's, he's
2: yeah. cool, but like, yeah, yeah come on. It takes what year is this? This is his fourth year, right? He's take like 29 years? now. It, a tight end is one of the longest positions in the NFL to develop. You can't expect a guy in year one to like, contribute to your team. Most of the time, it's very rare. Like think about even like first round tight ends. Think about, uh, what TJ Hawkinson and Noah font. I mean, it, it took them a year or two to really acclimate to the NFL. So people don't understand. You basically have to learn to be an offensive lineman. You know, you have to learn all the blocking schemes. You have to learn how to seal the edge and there's run blocking and pass blocking. And then on top of that, you have to learn how to run routes, burn the playbook. I mean, there's a lot to it. That's why uh, the more you have going on, the harder it is. That's why like, I'm weary yeah. of like hybrid players because I'm not saying they're not incredibly talented. I'm saying it's hard to learn all those positions. And if the coaching staff isn't invested in them like they should be, I mean, they could wash out. So that's kind of something I worry about.
1: I'd much rather move a tight end wide receiver like uh, Chase Claypool because – you know if you're if you're that size like you can just move outside you're just perfecting your route running and you know wide receiver skills you're not really doing much blocking if you can block a linebacker like i said you can take care of a a 195 200 corner with ease um but it's a player by player basis to me like if we had a guy that could possibly move i could get it but like my biggest argument is why cam sims kelvin Harmon, like their average wide receivers at that and you're saying move them to a whole nother position like do you really think that it's going to elevate anything no anyways i to me that was like something <clears> i've been <throat> the most passionate about this last month or two seems like i just i don't get it like i'm like when do we stop evaluating tight ends when did we just say let's just not draft a tight end we went from let's sign hunter henry Johnu smith so you know what cam sims could be a tight end couldn't he like know. <laughs> we went- we
2: went from Thad Moss. We need to draft him in the top three rounds to uh, let, let's let switch from receiver to tight end. So full circle.
1: So Shelly, I know she's passionate about it too. Who can we draft in the later round at tight end in the draft? Um, for me, Matt Bushman, he slipped because of injury. He's a great tight end from BYU. Um, kind of opened up the door for some other tight ends at BYU, but he's, I think he's projected like fourth, fifth, even, even maybe even later because of his injury. Who's the one you have, Nate?
2: Yeah, so uh, B- Bushman is like, <laughs> dude, he's so old. Come on, <laughs> he's like, 20,
1: he's like,
2: he went on a he went on a missions trip. I'm not even like kidding. I think he's like 24, or 25 now. So, Look. he by the time he develops into a tight end, he's gonna be like 28. He's gonna be like, That's Logan fine. Thomas. Get age. two,
1: three years out of him. That's all I'm asking for.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about a day three pick, like hell yeah, go for it. Uh, so, so if, if there's one tight end I love, it's it's uh, Hunter Long. So Hunter Long probably won't. He's go not a on late day round two. guy.
1: Yeah,
2: he'll probably go like round four. So that that's kind of what I'm mm. thinking. Like,
1: so, be good. so Hunter
2: Hunter Long played in two different, completely different offensive schemes. His first year, he played in a run-heavy offense with uh, AJ Dillon, and they just pounded the rock. And he still won all ACC honors as the best tight end in in that conference. And he won that mm. mainly for being a blocker. Next year, they completely transformed their offense to more of a, they got a real style. quarterback because they got a real quarterback. And he led the nation in receptions for a tight end. So it kind of shows you he can be a blocker and he can be a receiver. Now, he's not a great athlete. I mean, he he tested very highly for the RAS scoring. I think he was in the upper like 80th percentile overall. Uh, But he's a guy who kind of like Zach Ertz, like he maybe he's not like a great athlete, but he's a guy who can get a lot of volume. Think of like a Austin Hooper, Zach Zach, Zach Ertz, something like that. Not exciting, but someone who can definitely be your tight end too at the
1: minimum. Just reliable and, and hands, move the just teams. reliable,
2: yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think he's a good investment. Uh, I, I like and Trimble too. Everyone loves Trimble. And so I'm yeah, sure you Trimble's, guys will talk Trimble's. about him. I like <laughs>
1: Trey McKitty too. He was good at the senior oh. bowl, probably had the best one-handed catch um from the Titans that week. Another guy that could be like what fourth, fifth round later on. Definitely yeah. behind Hunter Long. I, I think Hunter Long's pretty high up there. Um, so yeah, like I, I've just, I I'm glad y'all on the same page as me. I was praying to God and neither one of y'all would be like, well, why couldn't they move to tight end? So Mm-mm. glad y'all have common sense, <laughs> no shade thrown to the people on Twitter. Um, so looking on the inside, Nate, you kind of talked about this with Curtis courtesy. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk too much about him, but one thing that I've seen a lot, and I've debated a lot on Twitter is people saying Curtis Samuel is going to play a lot as wide receiver Z on that outside role. I don't think so. I you might disagree with me but I think we signed him primarily to be that slot guy and then also more in the backfield just like how he was in Carolina last year. He'll play some of the outside. I'm not saying he's not going to see any of the outside. I think he will. But I feel like we're going to use him primarily as a slot guy. Kicks Stevenson's off the team. Um and then be a run guy also. How do you think we're going to use him Nate?
2: Yeah, and I think George probably shares the same sentiment here, but like so so when Turner was offensive coordinator in Carolina, he played him a lot more on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh Joe Brady didn't because they added Robbie Anderson. Um but but it seemed like he had a lot more success in Joe Brady's offense as a slot receiver. And I see him playing more in the slot here, but I'm sure they'll move him around, but he's still small and he doesn't really have as much experience playing on the outside. He he played mostly running back in in college and even in high school. So I I don't know that that's his strength, but like most, most receivers now are pretty multiple. They can play all over the field. Just, it depends how much you're talking about, but I, I don't know, George, you kind of feel the
0: same way or? Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, so basically what, two years ago, Scott Turner, I feel like, you should learn from joe birdie right i feel a couple of years ago we had him on the outside i think it was about 70 percent of his routes were on the outside he only played about 150 in the slot position so it definitely worried me i was like Curtis, Sam, that it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah that's funny um yeah so i feel like that was to his detriment right i know he has that four three speed but i feel like you you basically limit his route tree he's basically a deep wide receiver at that point maybe a quick couple quick slants or a screen over there um joe birdie used him in the slants uh, sorry and the slot also used him in the backfield as a rusher. And I thought that was more intriguing. I think um, Curtis Amos more of a weapon than a pure wide receiver, in my opinion. I think Scott Turner hopefully has learned from that. I think um, I do – I am kind of pessimistic, though. I hope that Scott Turner is open-minded. But for some reason or another, I'm not seeing it. I feel like with the addition of Humphreys, I feel like they're going to use him as slot quite often and try to flex and move Curtis Samuel around. So we will see Curtis Samuel in the Z position more often than we think we will. But I also think we'll see him more in jet sweeps and running the ball as well. Um, I think just manufacturing touches should be the way to go. Like I think between him and McLaurin, like don't, no matter what we do with Samuels, get him the ball because he is explosive. So just use him wherever you can, and hopefully Scott Turner. That's that's my big thing this year. Hopefully you guys feel the same way. Scott Turner has the potential to be a very good offensive coordinator. He has no more excuses now, right? He has Ryan Fitzpatrick, he has yeah. Curtis Samuel, he has Antonio Gibson in year two, Terry McLaurin. They're probably going to add someone else. They have Humphreys. He has the flexibility. He has an experienced quarterback that isn't restricted like haskins was last year right so it should open up we should our challenge as fans should be watching turner and seeing his growth as well that should be the next step so hopefully samuel's being used pretty flexibly next year
2: yeah I, I will say real quick there there's a lot of parallels between that 2019 panthers team and our our offense right now if you think about it, like you got dj moore terry mcmahon right you have mm-hmm. curtis samuel curtis samuel Yeah. For tight ends, you got Logan Thomas and old Greg Olson. I mean, it's pretty similar. And then, yeah, obviously Christian McCaffrey is amazing, but like you're still talking about like a similar offense and, and they, that offense completely just disappointed. And maybe it's because it was Scott Turner's kind of first rodeo really calling the plays, but um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Cause I remember that year they, they did an awesome job of like creating opportunities for Christian McCaffrey, like out of the backfield, running routes, running flexed out. So maybe you'll see uh, Antonio Gibson really get an expanded role this year. And maybe they'll finally be able to run block better. Cause like, God, they've been terrible at that.
1: I will say y'all mentioned how, you know, Curtis Samuel's role was different last year because of Joe Brady. I will say his touches went down, but his production seemed to go up you know, based off of, you know, having limited touches, which is easy to do when you have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the outside, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. pretty much stuck on the slot, like you said, and in the backfield. And we saw his rushes go from like, what, nine the year before to 41 last year. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, you know, they're going to not lean as heavy? I I think we'll all agree that we're going to draft another like late round running back, something like that. Who knows? Uh, But do you think, George, that they're really going to rely on that heavy in the run game? Or do you think it's just going to kind of fizzle out much more since we have AGG? Um, uh, JD McKissick Gibson. and then possibly another guy yeah
0: or yeah Gibson I think about 40 is about a realistic touch option for him in the backfield I think we be very smart to do that as well right I think um, just basically we keep hearing versatility 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 in the Washington offense why not take advantage of it right People don't really realize that, but going walking into Ohio State, Curtis Samuels came in as a running back. People always kind of assume as a gadget player, as a wide receiver. He came in as a highly recruited running back. So he does have the ability to actually run in between the tackles on, you know, anything a dive, jet sweep, or anything of that regard. Um, I would like to see him in the backfield um, quite often. I don't think it would hurt. Um, you know, how nice would it be to have to, a split back formation? Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel wheel routes going to the side, you know, doing oh anything, <laughs> anything you know, RPO, whatever you want, dude. You, you have that you have total flexibility. So, um, I would aim for that. I think we should see about 40 um touches for him in the backfield, hopefully. And if you think about it, it's not that much, right? 17 game season, what three, maybe three times a game, possibly, right? Maybe yeah. even less than that. So, it's not that bad. Go for it, yeah. He's like I, the opposite I
1: think so. of Gibson, like went from wide receiver to running back, running back to wide receiver kind of thing. But they they can both still do both things really well, which we've seen. Yeah. I think we'll see more of Gibson catching next year, too.
0: I think your point, though, Josh, the only reason his same will be limited is because McKissick is there. I think just having that because he it's kind of redundant. You know, Gibson, McKissick, Samuel, they're all kind of the same. But uh, I don't know. That's all I think. What are you going to say, Nate?
2: yeah typically what you see with rookie running backs you guys know this because i'm a fantasy nerd but their their second year they they tend to just their their workload tends to skyrocket if they showed something as a rookie so you're going to see less of jd mckissick potentially because of that and also because i expect them to play in more neutral game scripts and play with the lead more but uh i wouldn't expect 40 carries for samuel i would project less than that only because you got to remember with the panthers uh uh Christian McCaffrey went out, exactly. so he was out. Yeah. And then on top yeah. of that, like Mike Davis got Mike Davis was awesome for them, but he got yeah. banged up quite a bit. So they just decided to use Curtis Samuel a little bit more out of the backfield. I, I think you'll see all, that, but like, but it w- it won't be like that much. You'll see a lot more uh, jet sweeps and uh, stuff like that on the outside, which will be really exciting. He's a lot more dangerous with the ball in his hands than some of these other receivers you think about, like you know, like a guy who I think the guy last year who led the NFL in like jet sweeps. do You guys know, like, if you yeah. had to guess who, it, I. <laughs> I think it was Robert Woods and like Robert Woods is like a guy. He's not that athletic. He's not like, yeah. you know, he's not like physically,
0: I would never that. One,
2: Wait, oh, no. No. <laughs> but, but yeah. like he was good. He scored like two or three touchdowns and he, 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 he had a lot of yards and everything, but like Curtis Samuel is way more explosive. So I think that's like, they'll have to honor the, uh, the jet sweeps and the end rounds more when they know he's back there. Kind of like you, you've seen Tyree kill, like wherever he goes, like the defense pays attention. Not that I'm comparing the two, but you get, you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. It, to, to me, it's just, go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say what I like about Samuel is he's kind of stout. People don't really realize that he's like 5'11, yeah. 205 pounds. Like he has sort of that running back build, So he's pretty big. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be like, you know, power running every single time. around. So exactly. Go yeah. ahead.
1: Sorry about that. You no, know,
0: To mm-hmm.
1: me, it's just, it's, it spreads the field out. We talk about how our offense is supposed to look. And I know Nate, me and Nate were actually like pretty impressed by Scott Turner last year. Compared to other people's like me, I think, I mean, Georgie might've been too, but I feel like people were really harsh on him, mm-hmm. but it was really that first season. And we still had so many missing pieces. We talked about all the wider servers we had to bring in throughout the whole season. We still we talked about how we need another tight end, like, and then the quarterback play, like there's so much like missing. I feel like we're going to see more of his offense this, this season. And it's just going to be more of guys spread out. It's going to be more speed, especially on the outside. Um, Like you said, in rounds and stuff like that. Let's talk about more guys on the inside. So to me, I know me and George are bigger Isaiah Wright fans than Nate is for sure. We talk about this a lot. Um, and I think we're all Stevenson's haters. And then Adam Humphreys. So Nate, I haven't really heard you talk too much about Adam Humphreys, you know, just on Twitter and stuff like that. I've seen your breakdowns and threads and stuff like that. Love those, by the way. If you had to really put like a, a short resume together for Adam Humphreys to uh, a, a Washington fan that has no idea who he is, doesn't really watch much outside of him, How would you describe them to the fan base?
2: He's your replacement level slot receiver. He's a guy who can find separation in the middle of the field, and he, he knows where to settle in the middle of the field to create a little bit of separation to, you know, and he's very reliable as a as a catcher of the football, but he's nothing special. I wouldn't get, like, he's going to be the starter. He's a guy who gets banged up a lot, but uh, I, he's a solid addition. He can probably return punts too, but he's not very explosive, but he does have a really good rapport with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They played together in Tampa, and he kind of had some of his best games with Fitzpatrick. So, so I'm excited about him. I think, I think he's a slight upgrade in the fact that he's, he's more sure-handed and I mean, he's a veteran. He knows how to find the holes in the defense. So he's not bad.
1: Yeah. He, that's one thing he mentioned in his press conference was Fitzpatrick. He's like playing with him just makes the game even more fun than it already yeah. is. And he talked about that one playoff Fitzpatrick. What was it like five yards beyond the line of scrimmage, like the lateral pass backwards to him. <laughs> um, just crazy stuff like that. So like, that's the kind of things that get me hyped uh, for our offense. So it really kind of leaves out Steven Sims and Isaiah Wright. I know we can't put too much in them, both undrafted free agents. Both, I feel like we kind of maxed out, even though Isaiah Wright, his last season was his first season. Um, Looking at those two, is there anything in them really that just screams, George, that these guys need to come back as like a third option at slot receiver? Are you letting both of them go?
0: I think Isaiah Wright. I think he's on the outside looking in. Like they might invite him back to the training camp this off and kind of give him one last look. But I think he's the most expendable out of everybody. I think uh, Steve Sims let down like the entire Washington organization. I feel bad saying that, but he's like he, <laughs> he, he let ended, down the he, entire, the entire organization. He basically <laughs> ended. Um, he ended the twenty nineteen season on an upswing, right? Like he looked like really. And he came in. He um had upside. He you know I think he had he thrown together a couple of great games. Like I honestly, he was my like you know I'm gonna take that L. He was my he's my breakout player for 2020. I thought he was gonna walk in and just be that like that. You're just gonna feed him in the slot over and over again. But um I think uh once like coach Ron Rivera is an old school type of coach, right? He is unreliable. He drops the ball. You know he's definitely on on crucial positions or sorry crucial plays. He's also muffled a couple punts as a punt returner and I don't see him coming back. You know, I see like him like, coming out training camp, but it depends on who we draft this off season. Um, you know, one uh, one thing that Nate mentioned that I thought was a great point was Adam Humphreys. He is a starter level slot receiver. Um, but I think he, for like two years in a row, he like has an 85%, like 85 PFF grade for drops. Like he has one of the fewest drops in the league He's very reliable. He's going to be that clutch slot receiver that we need. So um, I'm happy with him, but I think uh, you know, Nate also mentioned very well that his injury, I think he had a concussion history, which uh, I think he lost nine games last year if I remember correctly. So that is something to worry about with
1: him. I will say, like, I feel like we haven't seen a lot of Isaiah right. Like I said, I'm not putting too much into him, but like he was an all American, you know, special teams returner at Temple at one point. Like that's I true. feel like it's worth it's worth at least kicking the tires on. Yeah. Um considering we have Danny Johnson and that's really <laughs> that's really it, I guess. Adam Humphreys is returning kicks, but
0: Stroman. Like
1: he's, yeah, well, yeah, Stroman too. I don't really like DB's returning kicks. Do y'all like, I, I don't know, I've never been a fan. Like, even no. I'm playing Madden, I take them out. <laughs> <No>, yeah, <exactly, laughs> like, exactly no.
0: right. yeah, yeah. I, yeah,
2: I it, it doesn't matter to me. Like, as long as you just catch the pat, you catch the kick, and like, even if you kneel down, I don't really care. Just yeah. don't funk, just, you know, just don't make it a pat.
0: negative play. Just don't make a negative yeah,
1: play, exactly, exactly. which we've seen re- a good bit of since last year. Yeah, real
2: quick, like. Anytime you get an undrafted free agent or a day three pick, like just be happy if they make the roster. I mean, any... Like for Steve Sims, the fact that he made the roster and contributed it in a meaningful way as a rookie, that's more than you can really expect. So just don't, don't expect these crazy things out of these guys, because that's, that's crazy to expect the undrafted free agent to even like make a practice squad. So yeah, I I think he's on the bubble. Isaiah Wright's on the, Isaiah Wright can't play receiver. So I I don't see him developing. He wasn't a good receiver in college. So why is he going to be a good receiver in the NFL? Um, but like, yeah, special teams is great, but like if I could use his roster spot for someone else who can play receiver and be a good returner, I mean, Let's just do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, undrafted free agents are nice. Like Steven Montez is supposed to be like our next weapon up there. <laughs> so you're
2: gonna say? I thought you were gonna say like James Robinson. Like, yeah, they are nice. And then you said Montez.
1: am according to Twitter, we're gonna we're gonna use him like the Saints use um that that guy's, that guy's oh. getting oh. hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, so this is an interesting guy, real quick. Cordell Patterson's definitely out there. Um upgraded the position. Is he worth kicking the tires on? I mean, he's no Devin Hester, but still one of the uh, top returners in the last few years, honestly.
2: Yeah. He's one, so. one of the, one of the three best of all time. I mean, yeah, it's it, at least with him, you know, he can play like backup receiver. So yeah, that would be, that yeah. would be awesome addition.
1: So my question, George is we talked about, you know, Sims, Isaiah, Wright, More than likely both getting cut. Maybe one comes back, maybe one's practice squad. My biggest question is, finishing out the guys on the outside, if you had to pick between Harmon, AGG, and Cam Sims next year, and you have to get rid of one, who
0: is getting cut? Have to get rid of one? you got to get rid of one. I think Harmon's getting cut, guys. That's kind of Mm -hmm. uh, my perspective there. I think, like as uh, Nate mentioned earlier in the draft, or earlier in the pod, he was never a – ideal high upside prospect anyway right he was known for being a 50 50 catch receiver more physicality more blocking more of like a like lunch bill kind of guy more of like he overachieved i sorry shelly um basically um i just i just think that like not being like he you know he didn't have that natural speed right but now that he tore his acl he's gonna he's gonna lose a step be he's gonna worse. Lose something, right exactly right so i think I think they do like Cam Sims. I think they see that untapped potential in him, so they're going to give him the best opportunity there. I think they did invest in AGG. I do think they, you know, they want to see what he has there as well. But I see, I just honestly feel like they're going to go in the draft. They're going to pick somebody. I'm sure we're going to get to this at one point, Josh. Wide receiving class oh, is yeah. awesome this year. To be fantastic, so it's it's prudent for us to draft someone and move up there. So I just see Harmon going. Um, you know, they might pull the whole Bryce Love and put him on IR and kind of keep him on the shelf for a little while and protect him, but. I just don't see him. um, I just don't see him being a part of our roster. All right, Nate. I gotta ask you. Honestly, I agree with you, George.
1: I'm cutting Harmon, um, not because Cam Sims went to Alabama, but I like what he did last season. I think there's something there, and like I said, I feel like bringing him back was part of their offseason plan. And like, I'm gonna get roasted for this, but I swear, I believe AGG has the best skill set of the three. Like, I feel like his upside and his potential. If he gets like going and you know an actual season without covid and a hamstring injury and an actual off season i feel like he can do something i like his strides like his route running i like his body control his frame his high point he i think out of the three he gets separation better than the other two nate who are you picking to get cut
2: yeah. So, so the biggest predictor for NFL success with these guys is, is draft capital. I mean, draft capital is number one. So a guy like AGG, they invested a lot in him and that's the new regime. So I'm, I'm sure they're still invested in him and we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not really excited about any of those three. I, they don't get me excited. It's, it's funny. When you think about this rookie receiver class last year, every receiver, man, you're talking about even like day three guys, like Gabriel Davis, Darnell Mooney. Every receiver I can think of, like C D Lamb, T Higgins, Chennault, Ayuk, I can go on and on. All of them broke out accept van jefferson and accept agg that's that's like the only two who didn't break out so i mean it's kind of demoralizing when you have such a higher hit rate and you don't get anything back but i think they're looking for a receiver i think the nakil harry like trade rumors speaks to w- what they're looking at so i don't think they'll go day one for a receiver but we'll, we'll see what happens i mean i think day two like yeah they're gonna be looking for somebody maybe uh nico collins kind of like the next chase claypool
1: <laughs> yeah I love Nico. That's my question. That's why I wanted to ask who y'all are cutting because to move some guys in, you got to, you got to get rid of some junk. So that (laughs) leads me to the next point. I think we definitely all three agree. We're drafting somebody. Um, And I saw a poll um, I forgot who it was. Um, I think it was PFF Washington, like put up like the stats of like Washington fans doing mock drafts with Washington. Not many people actually have us getting a wide receiver at pick 19, Obviously, it really just depends who falls. If Devontae Smith, by some chance, falls or Waddle, by miracle, falls to 19, like – I think that's the obvious pick at nineteen. Like you just don't say no to one of those guys, right? Nate? When I think of when I think of Devonte
2: Smith falling, I think of a feather falling through the sky. All oh, right, look.
1: <laughs> what? What's the show uh, around the horn where he just like mutes the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's around the horn. That's all right. Let me deduct that's... ten points from Nate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Freeze the frame. Um, so, like I said, but if a guy like that falls, maybe Bateman. I know it's some people will agree and some people don't at nineteen would be a good pick for us. But it seems like more people are learning towards the day two wide receiver. So that's what I want to talk about. We've heard Nico Collins get brought up. A guy that I mentioned today was uh Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. Had a great pro day. I think he was like a four four two something pretty quick for his size. I think he has a higher upside. If you had to pick a kind of like a sleeper guy in like the third, fourth round, mate, who are you going after? Yeah, so I don't
2: I don't wanna take George's I know you're go ahead, man.
1: No, 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 George's gonna George is Look, gonna he's, oh, he's on draft network looking it up the wide receiver, he's like shooting. No, <laughs> He has
2: other, a few like, good ones. I won't take his. Uh, so, so I will say, uh Kate Johnson is someone who really interests me. Kate like Johnson. Johnson is a guy. He's like five ten. He's an older prospect. He's really productive. Just it was level two, so it wasn't in you know it wasn't in Alabama or anything fancy like that. But he's a guy who has like an awesome release package, and you saw that when you went to the Senior Bowl. He's a guy who he creates Fast. separation right yeah. away with his release package, and he's yeah. faster than you think. He doesn't drop anything. He probably had the catch of the senior bowl, and he's not a big guy by any means. But Kay Johnson is a guy who you could see go around four, and, and some have even said day two. So he, he interests me because you got to stack the, the slot receiver room. I, I know we have Curtis Samuel, but he's more of a weapon, but that, that's a guy I'm interested in. I know who George is going
0: to say, so go ahead, <laughs> Thank you for saving that for me. I appreciate that. I love Jalen Darden, man. That's my man, dude, North Texas right there. He's awesome. Yeah, so, let's go. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know much about him, he's from North Texas, Conference USA, 59175. Um, he's a jitterbug, man. He's an explosive player. He basically, um, so get the ball in his hands, he's going to take off. Um, he averages 16.1 yards per catch. Uh, I believe he had like 19 touchdowns last year. And he just is like a firecracker. Just give him the ball, and he basically is the fastest player out there. Um, I love him. I just think he has a lot of potential. Um, You can get him pretty late from what I understand. Probably third, fourth round. I can see him landing there. Um, I think he would have an explosive package. It would also provide that versatility look that um, Scott Turner wants. Go ahead, Coleman. Oh, yeah.
2: and Josh has some insider info on him. Tell us oh, about, yeah. the, weight. Yeah. Hear about this. the
0: weight gain yes. because that, that matters a <clears> lot <throat> to someone like me. I don't
2: care about 40 times. I care about they said, what did he times. eat today? <laughs> yeah. I care about 40 times in reference to your size and your weight. That means so much more. If you run a four-five, but you're six foot four, 220 pounds, that's more impressive than a 150-pound guy running like a four-four.
1: Yeah, so me and Jalen. Talk boy. on the daily, like <laughs> I love this dude. Like him and Austin Watkins, those are like my two guys. Austin Watkins is another guy, great hands. You can be played on the outside. Terrible offense at UAB. Someone I'm looking at in the fourth round possibly too. Um, but the one thing with Darden, I don't know how exactly how small he was as a freshman. Um, but Nate mentioned like he's gained like close to forty pounds of muscle since he came into college. Like he was literally just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looked like Nate when he first showed up, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's a stud. Like, and he told me, like, I was like asking like when his pro day and stuff was. And it was like what two days ago? I think it was like, yesterday. It was like, like two that.
2: days ago. Yeah,
1: but like he's been like around like the 165 range, like once the season ended. And He was like, I will be 175 by pro day, and he waited in like 174 and a half or something like that, pretty close to it. And I know he wants to play like the 180, 185 range, which would be phenomenal. Um, and I mean that's what people knock Devontae Smith for. Like Nate throws his jokes around how small Devontae <laughs> Smith is, but he plays like he's Calvin Johnson. Um, that's so, so that's like that's the knock is like the size. But like I don't know, I'm I'm not too harsh on like size. Like if you play big, that's what I look for, like competitive toughness and like your your play speed and your play strength. Like t- to me, I'm not too worried about the scale,
0: but the Does fact it- that he
1: is gaining weight helps for sure. Does it show up like on,
2: on the film when you watch that, that's a big thing for me. Like uh, think about a guy like Tutu Atwell, Tutu Atwell was supposed to blaze. He was supposed to run a four, two, there's something crazy like that. And if you watch him, like he, he's like 155, 160 pounds and he gets, he's not physical at all. He can't make any contested catches underneath. He's not reliable and he doesn't really break a lot of passes. He just, he just runs away from people. And that's, that that's actually what, like as Dwayne Eskridge <laughs> is like this too. A lot of yeah. people really like Dwayne Eskridge and I understand why, like uh, he really broke out his last year, but like he also was 24 <laughs> years old and, and dunking on like 19 and 18 year olds. So congratulations, but it's not so much he broke broke tackles he just ran away from people there there's a difference there he, he wasn't physical and, and that's something you'll see on tape when you watch Tutu Atwell and I think Darden is really physical he, he broke a ton of tackles he had a he ton is. of forced yeah. missed tackles if you look at his profile so he, he's exciting as well
1: and if you look at like his size and stuff like that people just say oh just throw him in a slot but I feel like he could play on the outside too uh, because of what you mentioned Nate someone else that Gregory mentioned uh, I like to call him dynamic brown uh yeah, Naomi yeah, Brown Phenomenal tape, like he has some of the best tape out of wide receivers. Like nate, he's over there drooling. <laughs> sit back, yeah, sit back. Put a seat on. <laughs> No, I love Brown's game. Same with Daz Newsom. Like that offense, there's so many weapons, not even to mention like the running back room. And then Sam Howell, like it's it's insane. But I love uh Diamond Brown. Like I would be ecstatic if we got him here um he also mentioned anthony Schwartz. i'm not too high on anthony sports just because he went to auburn um <laughs> so, same with the lsu guys um but to me to me it's really just looking at and my question for you is you mentioned cade but could you actually play cade on the outside or is he like a strictly mostly slot guy you could
2: play like, do we need on, another slot? Yeah, i thought
1: he was more of an outside guy right no he so he is more of a
2: slot guy he can play on the outside Special teams and,
1: some a little bit too yeah uh-huh.
2: he did play on the outside like there but like he's mostly a slot he's like five foot ten he's he's not really yeah. that big so he's not really a boundary receiver but i mean he's still uh he's still good i mean he can still play on the outside occasionally he's just not a guy you want all the time but if i can talk he's about like rashad
1: team. bateman or
2: yeah. He's no, he's no Rashad Bateman, but like Diami Brown, if you give me like 30 seconds to talk about him. So, so I know some, some people are starting to hear more about him because Chris Sims like ranked him. I think Chris Sims had him ranked like some, it was like number three or like, that guy just four like, or fifth. yeah, the guy just lays he sits in a layer and just watches film by himself. He doesn't like <laughs> cross check his work. He's a confirmation bias King. He doesn't like, he has no frame of reference. He just like makes up wild assumptions, but people always remember like his wild calls at work and you don't remember all the failures and stupid things he says. And that's kind of like how it goes. That that's like Stephen, a Smith or or skip in a nutshell. But anyway, Diami Brown is a, a proud member of the triple 20 club and that's breaking out before age 20, 20 touchdowns in two seasons and then over 20 yards per reception. He has been the best deep threat in college football the past two years. Sorry, Jalen Waddle, but you have to play enough to be the best deep three deep threat in college football. And some guys like you actually have to be on the field. So yeah, but he's a, he's a, he's a yeah, he has a limited route tree. I will say that it's more of like vertical stems, but he's a guy who's really good at getting releases. And that's something that's so huge transferring to, from college to the NFL. That's something Terry McLaurin was great at. It was releases. That's what that's what really what separated him. But uh, but he can also run a mean slant. Diamond Brown can run a mean slant. He can create after the catch. North Carolina just never really asked him to do that. But that, that's a guy I really like. He's probably going to go day two. We probably won't have a shot at him, but I, I do like Brown a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, there's. There, I mean, the, we could literally talk draft wide receivers for a couple hours because it's loaded. <laughs> um, but to me, it's just it's really about scheme and fit, and like what we really want. Like, I, I like how a lot of people are just be like, "Oh, go get you know Shy Smith. Go get like this guy who's gonna play strictly in the slot." Like, I'm like, why? Like, to me, I just I'm I've been wanting that outside big guy so bad, like that Rashad Bateman, you know Nico Collins, kind of outside wide receiver, to Terrence
2: Marshall. Were Chris you not going to say that? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I mean, but at 19, he's. I don't think he no, made it no. to 51. nineteen. He's not yeah. going to make it to 51. I think though. he could so. go in round
2: one, like the end of round one,
0: maybe. Something yeah. like that. There. I think that's one thing we should look at. I know I know, Nate's all about this too. Picking at 19, you're kind of in no man's land, right? You're always kind of picking someone a little bit too high, or you, you're basically overreaching for somebody. I feel like if we could possibly trade back – if like that money spot in this draft is like from twenty to fifty, like right, like right after us and right before us, which kind of stinks, right? You can get that Zayvon Collins there. You can get anyone, you know, Terrence Marshall there. You can get um, you know, Nick Bolton there as well. There's so many good prospects. I would get if that if I had the option. The option was on the table. I'd love to stay in the first round, have a pick, but also gain another pick before fifty. That'd be my dream scenario right there. I'd love to do that because,
1: yeah, that'd be sick. And yeah,
0: and wide receivers fall. That's like the biggest. Think
1: talked about every single draft. I know, Nate, you can attest to it. Wide receivers fall. Who was it? Uh, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. Yeah, yeah. C.D. Lamb fell, like, way out of where he was projected to go. And he... By the way,
2: C.D. Lamb, I, I'm going to hurt a lot of people feeling. Like, oh, I'm going to hurt a lot of people's feelings. I think he'll be he'll the best off. receiver in the NFC East by this he's time in a, next year.
1: He's going to blow up. I agree with you, Nate. That one yeah. catch was filthy where he, like, fell he's back. Great. And that was, yeah. yeah, it was dirty. But we have Ted McLaurin. So I don't care. I, I love but... So two quick little lines, because I've been doing a lot of betting lately. Speaking of which, hopefully Michigan's winning right now. Um, okay, yeah, Hornets won, so we're good. So two two things I want to do an over-under on. So we saw Terry hit that 1187 last year. My question is, are you going over or under 1,200 receiving yards for Terry next season? This is with the addition of Curtis Samuel. Adam Humphreys not a huge hit to the numbers, and then possibly drafting another outside guy. Do you think it's reasonable for him to hit that twelve hundred mark? Because you know the quarterback play has increased with Fitzpatrick now. Nate, I'm gonna start with you.
2: Yeah. So, so if that's the line, if you're saying it's 1100 or whatever, you're always going to take the under and something like that. If you're getting into betting, because like, that's, that's a given you, because like he could get injured, something could happen. But if you're saying, if you're saying he plays 16 games, yeah, I think there's a great shot. He can go over 1100. I mean, who's, who's threatening him for targets. And when I talk about like breakout receivers, usually the year receivers break out and have the biggest jump from their last year to the next year is year three. That is the biggest Breakout year, there is so that's something to look out for, and, and now he finally has a quarterback who can get him the ball, hopefully, and, and is accurate. I mean, a uh, dude. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was in the top five in QBR, deep ball completion percentage, play action completion percentage, under pressure completion percentage, and clean pocket completion percentage. Like, last year. So, so like, he's solid all the way around. So, uh, yeah, I feel good about that. But if you're talking about, like, over and under, like, I would bet the under just because, like, you don't know, he could get hurt. Something that's safe. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah that's but but I want to make... How much are you betting? It? Is your phone bill depending on it? Phone <laughs> like, bill. Oh, no.
2: You just I'll wait till the NFL point. draft, man. I can't wait to draft. I have so many props I'm gonna bet on. I'm sure you guys will yeah. indulge as well. We'll have to wink <laughs> up on that.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, I got some good ones. I I made some. Who was the? Uh, Arnett was the guy I bet would get drafted high last year and paid out. For I him, remember so that. I remember you getting really excited on air about that. <laughs> yeah, because I felt good. I called that happening. So, yeah. George, mine for you is Curtis Samuel, all-purpose yards, 1,200. Now, don't be innate. Don't play it safe and be the conservative here. <laughs> be aggressive, George. Go all in. I put I put $100 on you and say, look, if, if it hits, it
0: doubles. If not, you lose $100. Bucks. Over, under, 1,200 all-purpose yards. Oh, no doubt. 100%. I put $100 down on that. dude. Curtis Samuel is definitely going to have 1,200 yards, over 100, 1,200 yards for one. Both you guys are kind of neglecting the fact that we're playing 17 games next year. So, first of all, you keep that in mind, right? There's always an additional additional game. It's like a few things over there, right? Um, let me kind of go back to Terry McLaurin real quick. So we had 93 targets last year in 14 games. He just gets fed the ball all the time, and I think our offense is going to start skewing more towards a passing mm-hmm. offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think we're going to start passing yes. the ball, dude. Like, <laughs> like I'm, you guys have saw everybody, everyone's watching this right now. You guys have seen that next gen, that next gen stats scatter plot, right? It was like, dude, we had the fewest amount of plays, the like air yards were our lowest, like we had the slowest rate of offensive play and calling. It was awful. I think it's all going to go out the window with Ryan Fitzpatrick. 18 years in the league, he's going to be more experienced. He's going to call plays, he's going to throw that 50 50 ball. He's going to go for it. I think, I, going back to your question though, Curtis Samuel, I think he's going to probably. Uh, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think we're gonna have 2,000 yard receivers. I don't think it's gonna go with that. I don't think it's gonna go like that. I think McKissick will eat into it. I think um, Humphreys will eat into it, and whatever boundary, you know, Thomas as well. So I think Samuel probably. Ah, uh, 1200, I think so, though. I think between 800 yards, I think he'll do it. No, it's not into him. I think, no. so. I mean, <laughs> no, think he said
1: like 850 and then add like 250 rushing yards. Like last season, he had like 870 and like 300 something.
2: Yeah. Like, rushing so, every year I do like projections and I base my projections off of like what happens the year prior because that's kind of where you get your numbers from, and like that would be totally out of the realm like that would be wild if he did but i mean it's possible when you're talking about all-purpose yards and if they don't add Mm -hmm. anyone in the draft but uh i mean again samuel has to stay healthy and that's true. I don't know. I, I could see that, and we did see a big uh, uptick in like passing the ball more and, and and faster pace of play. And we still weren't good last year, and it's because like our offense was so inefficient throwing the ball. But I mean, you're seeing the right things from Turner. You're seeing the right process. You're just not always seeing the results. And when he's gotten good QB play, guess what? We almost beat the Super Bowl champion. So mm. that was that left a really nice taste in everyone's mouth. So like, let's see what happens next year. But That's 1200 true. would be wild for a, a second receiver on our team. I mean, I remember. I remember when people were saying the same thing about Curtis Samuel in 2019, they were saying this is his big breakout year and he's going to crush it. And that never came to fruition. So I, I'm obviously like he has a quarterback upgrade, but like, we'll see. I mean, that that's a lot. That's a lot of yards. I don't know.
1: I'm not ruling it did Then the Panthers have DJ Moore and uh, Anderson, both over a thousand last year. They they did, but like the year before that, they
2: just had Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. So like it was it was just those two, and that's why everyone was like Curtis Samuel is going to break out, and he kind of he it was hard on the outside. Cam got hurt, and then you had Kyle Allen have one of the worst seasons we've ever seen for a quarterback. He really turned around his career here in DC, which is pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, I'm expecting big things out of him. I know Nate liked his play. Um, I you you mentioned the next gen stat charts. I love posting them after the game because of how sad it looked. Um, hopefully this <laughs> hopefully this season it looks a lot more colorful than just a, a dark blue field and a couple green lines going out uh, ten yards from checkdowns. Uh, But fellas, that is it. And if y'all want real quick to shout out where you can find yourselves on Twitters to everybody, Nate, I know you have something awesome going on that I want you to talk about real quick. And George has some sweet articles that have posted lately. So Nate, go ahead and tell the Twitter folks what you're working on and where to find you.
2: Yes, you can catch me on Twitter at Jayhawk Chalk. So what I'm doing with my buddy, Rod Murray, is we are doing a limited edition kind of series leading up to the draft where we cover a different position every week. And we're calling it Washington football team draft day. And we're going to drop like different threads every day, talking about prospects. We're going to have one show doing an overview of the position and then we're going to have another show called the war room where we kind of dive in and like make our points heard about, you know, who were the most interested for those positions and yada, yada, yada. And I'm sure you'll see uh George and Josh and a few other friends on the war rooms later, later on down the road, but Washington football team draft day, that's the main thing I'm doing. So check out that work. And thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. George.
0: Cool. What's up guys. So I'm George Carmi. You can find me at, at G Carmi 21. Um, I'll be posting articles on fullpresscoverage.com with a little team that I have going on right now. Um, I recently put out my most recent mock draft 1.0, take a look at it and see how that goes. Um, You know, they'll be coming, I'll be changing and upgrading that as time goes on and more trades come along there. Um, Tomorrow I'll be on this podcast with Talking Sports with Manny, so you guys can find me on there tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll be around on Twitter, so hit me up, guys.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to me. that draft day. That's gonna be stressful. Like I'm gonna feel like I'm on the clock. Like when we do our show, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have to be ready for that, especially with Adam. Adam's got all the nuggets. So uh, the, yeah,
2: the, I'm just gonna be like the general manager, and you guys all have to make your point to me, and I'm gonna be like, no, that's terrible. Like, just <laughs> no, no running backs ever, and we're never running the ball, and I'll be, I'll be awful. But
1: my only request is like a fake commissioner that we can all boo. That's literally all. <laughs> let's do it looking forward to that and i'm actually heading to the draft too i think i told y'all uh got my tickets got off for work can't wait for that i got a buddy up in cleveland i'm meeting up with and then also one of my buddies here coming so hopefully i can like do some live stuff send y'all some videos drop some content there too so stay tuned for that but definitely check out george and nate there's a reason why i'm always talking about them and having them on because they're two of my favorite follows on twitter and know a lot of stuff so gentlemen it was a pleasure having y'all on and we will see y'all later thanks brother Maybe I got it all too fast and too soon Living life, no feelings,
0: no rules I've been trying to make it last, make it move But I'ma hop in this morning like a fool I've been having a for